Thanks for joining us again at Two Age Sojourner. Uh, excited to be talking to my brother from another mother, Nick Cleveley. Say hi, Nick. Oh, hey, bro. <laughs> 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 Another episode with Nick Cleveley. You know it's going to be good. And uh, last time I was talking to Nick, we uh, said we need to talk a little bit more about this issue of theology in the pulpit, the theology in the church. It's a, it's a huge yeah. thing. Nick and I care about this stuff, but uh, it's sometimes a little bit saddening. Yeah, maybe a little too much. And you know what? We have to take that. I think we we got to be we got to admit. Nerds, yeah, we are nerds, and there's a place for nerds in the world. And you're not expecting everyone to be a nerd, but. Um, yeah. You know, theology's got to be there. I've actually just finished um, reading, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Resurrecting an Ancient Vision, The Ecclesial Theologian. Have you ever read that before? No. It's, Dude, it's, what's that? What's um, actually, I'm going to bring up Kindle right now and get the exact title. So I'm, I'm tired of making wrong references on these shows. Um, the Pastor Theologian, Resurrecting an Ancient Vision, re- written by... Uh, uh, Gerald, Gerald, actually, <laughs> Gerald uh, Histant or uh, Histand. Okay. Yeah, or, and Todd Wilson. So I don't, I've never heard of those guys before. Um, I just like okay. the title and um, just wanted to see what they have to say. And um, yeah, I mean, look, they might, they took a few angles that I probably wouldn't roll along with. But, you know, basically the thrust of the book was listen, you look through the history of the church and, uh, the, I mean, you've got every, I mean, think about Augustine through to, I mean, just almost name it, you know, and you've got all the great pastors were the great theologians. And if not, Definitely. yeah, you know, and, and, and sort of the only reason. Luther, Calvin's Luther, really, they were all theologians. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, these guys, and they, they were right there in the pulpits doing their thing. And, uh, and that was the diet of the church. And, you know, you could see. Uh, there is, I, I've uh, finished reading through Dagen's uh, History of Preaching a while back in this massive double volume as well. And, um, uh, you know, I was very proud to get through it. But um, basic, <laughs> basically, one of the things is it shows is just where the church has flourished. It has flourished because the pulpit has been filled with theology, you know, and good yeah. theology. And where the church has suffered, it's grown anemic because of and it's the fault of the, the the pastors have to take that you know onto their um their own burden i mean that's their fault because they you know they're the ones that that um that just allow the, pulpit the to, yeah they do and the thing is it's almost it reminds me of like when everyone's selling a cup of coffee in the city and then you got one one shop that starts selling it for for 230 uh what am i talking about two two bucks 30 or something uh rather than let's say five bucks or and um yeah and then and then you know now everyone expects it to to be that price and you know you can see there's an obvious problem there and that you know not everyone can pay the bills under that price and so you know that guy might have managed it but he's undercut the whole market and the problem with that is that the people have now got a taste for the cheap coffee that's you know whatever and yeah uh, maybe there's a good analogy there too although i'm actually totally down with cheap coffee so maybe it's a crap analogy but, <laughs> but uh yeah but know, i mean you're right so shorter sermons shorter sermons you know more jokes uh sermons. exactly you know, you tell the story about let, let big words. Let's let's dumb it right down. Yeah. You know, every other every other field of life is allowed as technical terms except Christianity. Yes. Oh, that's a, that's, that's getting quoted. That's a good one. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, and and then you come along with your your even just your normal level, you know, sermons or Sundays, and and all of a sudden, you know, no, that's not what we want. And the problem is, pastors to be, you know, what they're supposed to be before God can't can't give in to that. You know, I mean, like I just think of kids as well. If pastoring is in any way related to parenting, you know, I mean, I can't buckle to my children every time they want candy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like I've yeah. got to feed them veggies even if they don't like it. <laughs> and this is because I care about them and love them and want them to grow well. And uh, it passes the same, you know, just because some guys sort of like just t- telling stories and, and preaching 15 minute sermons and people like it, you know, you can't go along with that. You know, yeah. and, and, but what there's that a means is, why, yeah, go there's for a it. couple of reasons why this would be happening. I mean, one is catechism's not happening anymore, so the big, big doctrines and categories aren't being taught from young. Yeah, uh, people are naive to church history and all of the debates um, and all of the discussions and the wars and the things that Christians gave their lives for, mm. which uh, make up our doctrines. Oh, um, such a good point. Yeah, yeah, they gave their lives for it. You know, like. I mean, I think about the reason Kelvin wrote his institutes is he's seeing all these friends pretty much burn, you know, and um, he's going, people need to know. People need to people know. People died to say that transubstantiation is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. And baptism, you know, let's not even go there. You've got every point of doctrine has been suffered for. And then <clears throat> not even, you know, even just the Bible itself, you know, you've got this uh, translation before you, this really magnificent work of scholarship in every translation. And, um, and yeah, we just, we just are so flippant about it. I mean, the arrogance even sometimes of, of the idea that the church doesn't need like teachers, you know, you've got the whole priesthood of all believers and, you know, and yet they would hold their yeah. Bibles that have been translated by people that have dedicated their whole lives to to, to, to bring in that force to them. I mean, it's so arrogant. Yeah, the whole thing yeah. is just killer. I think one of the one of the big ways theology has impacted my preaching is just uh, recognizing that the authors of Scripture, like Peter and Paul, were systematic theologians. That every single thing they said, they said out of a framework of theology that they had in their minds. These yeah. were not men who just spoke random things. These are men who had systems of thought. They had a particular view of God, yes. which impacted on a view of Christ, which impacted on a view of the Spirit, which impacted on a view of salvation, which impacted on a view of the church. And they spoke out of this framework. Yeah. And when you're studying the Scriptures, and especially when you're preaching the Scriptures, you're trying to help the people of God to see the framework that these men are working from. Because once you see the big picture, you can, you, can, you can begin to hang all the little pieces on the skeleton. Yeah, totally. Exactly right. And uh, I mean, you know, the, the counsel point is that if you have no, you know, you got nothing to hang it on. I mean, what do you, you have this incohesive mess, you know, your theology turns into spaghetti. I mean, I remember when I came into, um, from from the charismatic church, um, planting GraceNet and, you know, trying to, trying to preach through the Bible, you know, just going through the Bible and going, wait a minute. You know, okay, so here we go. I know what I'm. I, I'm uh, dispensational on this one. I know that much. Or then I, you know, I'll, I'll preach the rapture or something, and then I'll, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll, you know, claim the dispensationalism that at its core basically cuts off the possibility of continuationism, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I'm just as down on that thing, and um, and, and you know, my soteriology is out of whack with with everything else, and and I have no, yeah, yeah, the ecclesiology is just a mess. So you just there's no way to 
to to and well what happens is you start realizing that actually your views work against each other and it's the same bible and it it becomes i remember sitting with jethro i know he won't remind uh, mind me um telling the story jethro was uh, an elder at grace and planted the church with us and uh, when we started to realize this that our views were just totally out of whack with our own views and yet the bible kept on pressing on like this juggernaut um yeah, he. I mean, we were just desperate. He was desperate. I remember. I remember looking at him, and uh, he was just at the end of his rope. He was like, "Listen, I got to figure this out. This is crazy," and it's a horrible thing to have been a Christian for a while, and you know, even start preaching and getting into ministry and, and realizing you 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 know you actually haven't figured this thing out properly. But yeah, you, you know, a bunch of pieces, but you can't see the whole. Oh, terrible. And and yet the, and the glory of it, the beauty of it. And of course we know the danger is that you don't want to turn the Bible into some system and just force things into there, you know, square pegs into round holes. And you know, that's the other side, the other ditch. But I I say we're so far away from that ditch at the moment. We don't even have to worry about it. Um, (laughs) You know, people are just not even making an attempt to put any peg into any hole at the moment, which is. So so uh, here's the challenge. How do we get the church to love theology? Well, that has been, uh, my uh i would say the the compass for ministry for for me it's been like everything i've done (laughs) has been structured (laughs) around that question um well one thing here's one thing i think we as preachers can determine uh and and look you have to count the cost with this but to determine that you're going to preach at a certain level um I'm not saying you have to just take off like a rocket and preach like some heady dude that no one understands. You got to make an effort to to bring people along with you, but uh, that doesn't you know you got to make a determined effort to actually move people along. That means that you know a good number of your people might not actually understand what you're saying, and you're probably going to get those emails on Monday, and you can't buckle under that pressure. You've got you got to have a program. You got to have a a view to disciple them and move them forward, and um, and you got to be willing to endure the losses that that will bring, I think, because, you know, you could be as a church. Uh, we feel this all the time. I, you know, like at the one level, I don't want to I don't want to say like, you know, if I just dumped it down, oh, my goodness, you know, I'd be a mega church or anything. That's not true. Um, but at the same token, you, you know, very, very clearly that there are people that would have stayed that have left or there are people that are walking in and walking out because you're holding to these uh, this this ideal of 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 seeing theological preaching as a value, uh, not a vice yeah. of the church, and so that's a that's a that's one thing you could you do. You know, preachers could just resolve to do that, but it's it's not an easy ask. You know, especially when people's livelihoods, preachers have their livelihoods in preaching, and you know, you're talking about smaller churches, smaller wages. Yeah. What and uh, what do you think of John Piper as you know a theology on fire model? You know, someone who's willing to use some of the big words. Mm. But is who can preach it in such a passionate way that yeah. people are attracted to to what he's saying. Absolutely, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, I mean, Piper was, yeah. Look, I mean, let's really honor him on that point. You know, wow, what a killer job he did. And he, he basically, I mean, think about the uphill that he was against there when he started preaching. Um, you know, he he basically he opened the door to to have at least at least some soteriology become more you know in or at least people just reaching out to understand more it was exciting when the resurgence of calvinism began because uh you know now you've got people that otherwise would just be in some willow creek 
you know, seeker sensitive church, all of a sudden are, are now, you know, at um at a church with their with their Bibles, you know, thinking about theological terms. So amen. Amen to yeah. that. But the the issue is like Piper was in so many ways a, or is a, an anomaly, you know, and uh and I suppose the danger is and I, I've been through this. You're like, oh, Piper did it. You just got to do it passionately and then it won't affect anything. You know, people will love it. <laughs> well, the reality is this doesn't work like that. And Piper was singularly gifted in, in many ways. And uh, to the degree that you're equally gifted, amen, you know. But, yeah. um, you know, you got to be ready to to be almost the lesser light there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I just think he has made theology sexy just because he's it's logic on fire. It's that. He's brought together the what seem to be opposite poles of knowledge and yeah. worship, you know, and he's yeah. shown us that it's actually through knowledge that we discover the t- truest depths, the deepest depths of worship. Yeah, yeah, totally. It seems to me like I don't know, you know, as, as I've traveled to the states a few times now, and, and you know, seen a few churches up there, and uh, what, what struck me a few times is that you'll have these pockets of you know, even do you think like what impact has Piper made? Well, he's he's he's, he's sort of reached a generation, and uh, yeah. exactly what you said. You know, he's brought this this um, desire to 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 engage with the text at a deeper level, which I think maybe is is probably a seedbed that we'll only really see the implication of down the line. But you know, I almost anticipated that you'd the first time we went to the states, you know, that that you'd see like every church that's Kelvin is just going crazy with this, you know, and just and just studying theology as best they can and. But it still seems quite, quite uh, parochialized. Like you'll have the, um, you know, like we're part of the Reformed Baptists. You'll have the Reformed yeah. Baptists. Um, you know, they'll be quite isolated from the rest of the evangelical world, and yet completely correct. And and just the the, the ethos is amazing. Presbyterian churches too, you know, uh, United Reformed. I mean, they're basically you get some really solid denominational churches that value theology and they've almost embraced the mm. liturgy and everything but where the, the the broader evangelical thing it seems like you'll have like one or two churches that have run with it and then the rest of them that are just kind of i don't know just just almost moving in the opposite <laughs> direction entirely and experiencing so you're saying it rests a lot on the pastor perhaps uh how else are you going to explain it you know it's yeah. it's I think I think the issue is and I've like been in ministry long enough to know about and know this now. Um there is a real I remember starting out and thinking, Oh, there's no ways I'm ever gonna sell out and you know, dumb down and you know, just to get a bigger church and but the the you know, you go through those times when you perhaps are not the most spiritually vital that you could be and um and your times that are tough and times that you're tired and you know you take a knock too many and you know and perhaps things are getting tight financially and perhaps the church like i you know i felt i would be lying if i said i haven't felt that that that, that sort of pressure that 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 it's only at that point you've got to reach deep down and you got to go listen yeah. what am i doing now am i am i trying to build a big hospital or am i trying to do tr- uh, true medicine you know what what's going on what am i giving my life for and uh, yeah. what, what always helps me is to just think, you know, just try and get the bigger picture and go, listen, at the end of your life, uh, or, or even now, like, is there something, because I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't want to pastor a, a church that's seeker sensitive and just full of nonsense and all sorts of like theologically anemic problems. 
you know, and lacks the strength and maturity that comes from that. I'd rather just be doing some sales job of selling pizza, you know. So th- <laughs> that helps me to 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 remember, hey, you know, as bad as it, it might be, and as upstream as the whole thing might feel, um, you know, this is the only thing that that you that I ever felt called to. And so, you know, you got to stick with it. I don't know. Have you got any any like mental hacks that you use on those times? Um, I guess it's just a case of, uh, you know, being true to your own personality, your own interests, your own passions. Um, you know, if the, if the truth's not igniting your own soul, if you're not able to preach it to yourself in a way that's moving you, um, it's just, it's not going to come through your preaching. Yeah. And so I've, I've got to be selfish, uh, a little bit, I suppose, and pursue those things that I know are going to move me, Yeah. that I know grip me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes those are the deeper things. Um, but that way I almost ensure that I'm preaching from the heart and not just from the head. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. Well, that's a, that's a great point to add on, end on right there. At least, um, uh, you know, here's something, I mean, I know some, some of the people who listen to this would, would be pastors and, um, and we're, we're getting a few listeners now, which is quite encouraging, uh, just have to say, but, um, (laughs) that's good you know and it just shows that people are interested in this kind of theology and and uh so hey be encouraged keep going uh you're not alone let's uh us loners we got we got to stick together essay you know um <laughs> but uh you know if you're if you're not a pastor and and you're in a church and and uh you, you know your pastor's swimming upstream with the whole theology thing just go ahead and encourage them you know and just say just say hey listen you know we're better buy him a book buy him a good book buy him a book you know just say write him an email some of the i honestly some of those moments where the email comes to you you got like like uh, like so many you know just discouraging things going on and then that that one email comes along and it just hey i just want to let you know that you know that that sermon that everyone says they don't understand uh it 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 changed my life you know and i i see the value of theology i mean that (laughs) it it makes it all worth it for a pastor and so do that go ahead and, and encourage your pastor that way and don't let them give up. Um, you know, they need you to do this. And uh, we have to do this. I want to talk about this more in some future sessions. But hey, let's um, let's wrap it up over there. Uh, thanks, Nick, for joining us, bro. Cool. Cheers, man. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us at another 2 Age Sojourner.